live in a world that is facing one of its biggest challenges in living memory. The coronavirus pandemic has devastating potential as it sweeps across the globe. To fight the virus and slow its spread, we've had to change almost everything about how we live our lives. I'm Alicia Shepherd, and welcome to Coronavirus Examined. Each episode, we're speaking to a different academic via the socially distanced means of video chat to ask them for their expert takes on the broad ranging impacts of the coronavirus pandemic. Today, I'll be talking to Professor Lenny Coe from our management school. Could you just give us a bit of a broad introduction to your research interests? My, my research interest really lies uh, across the area of trying to make a future supply chain more sustainable and more resource efficient. These uh, can cut across to a number of different types of industrial supply chain, like uh, automotive supply chain, energy supply chain, food supply chain, medical supply chain, and so on. And uh, given that we are uh, undergoing major changes at the moment as a result uh, of the impact from COVID-19, so there are a lot of emerging uh, changes happening right now in terms of how the supply chain uh, is transforming and is evolving internationally. And how have our global supply chains been disrupted by the coronavirus crisis? Um, It has a huge impact on the global supply chain. Uh, Go without saying, uh, because supply chain nowadays is interconnected and it's not just controlled and managed by uh, sourcing from one country. It requires uh, interaction and trading relation uh, with various companies and various countries uh, across the globe. Uh, So depending on the products and the materials that we are talking about uh, in this global supply chain, uh, the severity of the impact uh, would vary. Uh, For instance, um, in China, when the coronavirus first appeared, uh, it happened actually at the time of the Chinese New Year uh, in the Spring Festival. So at that time, uh, a lot of companies were closed because of the holiday season. So that impact wasn't kind of, you know, uh, prominent at that time because uh, factory was, was shut because of the holiday season. But then at the same time, uh, when uh, more information and evidence were available that this is really becoming a global pandemic uh, issue, then a lot of the factories uh, in China uh, were asked to be shut uh, because of the potential risk of the spread of the virus. And this go uh, and apply across different sectors, automotive, food, material, component, machinery, medical, you name it, all of the sectors. And as you can imagine, the global supply chain rely on supplies from China. And many of them, this really has a direct impact in terms of shortages of materials and shortages of products. Uh, Therefore, uh, nothing can be made into a finished product. Therefore, we are facing huge, you know, knock-on effect as a result of uh, shortages at at that time. And even this disruption is happening right now. Uh, the reason why it's still happening right now is because suddenly there is a spike and huge demand in terms of critical products and material. Uh, for instance, ventilators, PPE, uh, personal protective equipment such as masks, uh, shield uh, and gown, uh, especially for the frontline workers at the, at the NHS uh, and uh, also for care homes and other important um workers. How is this impacting the production of things like ventilators and PPE, for example? Um, The demand for these um, materials and products uh, is increasing everywhere in the world. 
Uh, therefore, the supply chain is facing a lot of pressure. They cannot cope with sudden increase in demand. Uh, so a lot of companies uh, are thinking uh, about ways in which to adapt their supply chain, to adapt their technology, uh, to make their technology and supply chain more flexible and uh, more innovative. Uh, and uh, the UK Ventilators Challenge Consortium has come together and support this collaboration across key companies such as Rolls-Royce, uh, Formula One, uh, Airbus, and etc. to come together really, you know, to address this challenge. And it was really, really successful. So that demonstrates how industry can work together and can adapt their technology and supply chain to meet this increased uh, demand. Because of the coronavirus situation, we can see that some of these activities are started to happen locally. So we are, you know, seeing a potential uh, increase in terms of, uh, well, you know, the UK supply chain actually can cope with some of this production. Maybe in the future, we should use uh, or make use of this capability uh, to respond uh, to this kind of demand. Uh, because obviously they are not designed to manufacture ventilators originally, or they are not designed to manufacture medical gown, right? Uh, but there is this potential of such flexibility. So again, opening up the questions uh, whether uh, some of these activities uh, can be sustained, you know, in the long run in the future. What impacts can we expect to see from this disruption? How long do you think it will last? Yes, uh, I think it has, it will have a long-lasting impact on the way that we live and work in the future, post-COVID-19. I don't know how this is going to last, to, you know, to come back to a completely normal situation. We probably will never be coming back to a completely 100% normal situation. It will change, definitely. It will change the way that we uh, look at businesses, the way that we manage resources, the way we uh, run our operation and businesses, the way we manage our supply chain, uh, the way we work in the organization, the way we interact, uh, the way we treat technologies, uh, and so on. So it will completely change everything, I think. Um, and also, uh, this disruption, hopefully, if we can address this using the examples that I mentioned before, balancing it out in terms of managing those resources, capital, from environmental perspective, economic perspective, and social perspective, it will have a better uh, outcome. Uh, but I think this coming this will link back to the idea of all the importance of managing the uh, economic recovery. Uh, because some of the economists has predicted that the impact to the economy as a result of COVID-19 is uh, 10 times worse uh, than the 2008 financial crisis. So this is not just um, a recession, but a depression in the economy. So we have already seen examples of what actions and uh, policies have been put together by various leaders across the world. Like, you know, plenty of uh, uh, cash has been injected, injected into the economy to help uh, bumping up that economy. Uh, a lot of loan uh, has been uh, designed uh, to help businesses to be able to recover uh, as a result of the economic impact from corona, coronavirus, especially the small and medium-sized company who rely a lot uh, on this uh, cash uh, uh, viability to be able to survive 
uh, in their business going forward, uh, and also plenty of other resources, you know, to be able to help uh, the uh, medical uh, offering uh, in terms of making sure uh, that the hospitals uh, and its supply chain are able to cope uh, with this uh, increasing demand. Uh, you know, I think it is very, very important that all of this will have an impact uh, on the way the economy is going forward. And the longer that we are facing the lockdown situation, which is uh, the situation right now, uh, the bigger is the impact on the economy. A country is going to be impacted equally by all of this, or do you think that there might be a worst-case scenario for some rather than others? Uh, I think the severity uh, of the impact uh, from COVID-19 depends heavily on the way that the particular country respond uh, to the COVID-19 uh, at that time when they were aware uh, of the potential risks uh, you know, to the public health situation. Uh, and also what actions and policies are put in place to respond uh, to, to that COVID-19 situation. So some countries, you know, put forward um, um, actions such as, um, um, you know, every, uh, every person uh, should wear masks, you know, going out. And, and then that probably will uh, uh, vary depending on the policy and the regulations uh, imposed. Uh, by by decision makers uh, in the specific countries. It also depends on um, culture, uh, availability of supplies, uh, and so on. So there are many factors, you know, affecting the decisions, and those decisions are tailored to fit the requirement and to the condition of a specific country. So we cannot, to be honest, compare uh, this uh, as a like uh, uh, it will be a comparison between apple and pear if we are trying to compare this because it always depends and tailored to the specific conditions uh, of the specific country. Should the general public be concerned about the impact? So I think there are different uh, types of stakeholders in, uh, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the supply chain. So, um, so if you look at uh, the multi-tier supply chain, we have different suppliers upstream and uh, downstream. And then we also have different customers uh, in the supply chain and we have the manufacturers in the middle. Uh, so if you, look, if you look at the B2B section of that supply chain, business-to-business section supply chain, so a lot of these organizations, they will plan accordingly in response to what is needed and not needed, and uh, according to demand, uh, which is driven by consumers and the public, uh, you know, in terms of the goods and services needed uh, to pump the activities, uh, the economic activities. Uh, so uh, I don't think uh, there need to be a worry in that sense because we still need to consume resources as a consumer and as a public. Uh, we still require food, uh, we re- require energy, uh, we require data, and so on and so forth. So these are critical resources that will not go away. We will carry on to consume uh, this uh, as public, uh, as consumer. Uh, the supplier, uh, the producer of those resources will carry on to produce this because there is a demand from the consumption perspective. Uh, but the point is, is not to worry about it, but to make sure that all of the stakeholders in that supply chain, including the producer, and also the consumer take full responsibility uh, of their decision in terms of the way that they produce and consume the resources so that they bear in mind the three critical dimensions that I mentioned, which is ensuring that uh, the supply chain is strong, ensuring that the economic capital, the social capital 
and also the environmental capital goes hand in hand in every decision making. And finally, what needs to happen in order for us in the UK and globally to bounce back from this? How successful a supply chain can rebound uh, from COVID-19 depends on how resilient is that particular supply chain. So we talk about supply chain resiliencies. So if a supply chain is designed to be really resilient and have all the resources capital to be able to bounce back quickly, for instance, their technology is very advanced and have flexibility. Uh, they have good supplier relationship in place that they can draw upon easily or they have technology that can easily adaptable uh, and they have R&D pipeline and innovation that can actually carry on making those interesting changes and modification uh, and adaptation going forward. And then they will be more successful in terms of improving their supply chain resiliencies to be able to bounce back uh, quickly uh, and successfully uh, as a result of COVID-19. A huge thanks again to Lenny for speaking to us on Coronavirus Examined. Thanks for listening and hopefully you'll join us for our next episode where we'll be talking to Professor Stephanie Pitts about how the coronavirus pandemic is impacting arts organisations and their audiences. Coronavirus Examined is a podcast series from the University of Sheffield. It's presented by me, Alicia Shepherd, and edited and produced by Harry Cluler and Tommy Wilson. To find out more about the University of Sheffield's research around coronavirus, head to sheffield.ac.uk forward slash research forward slash coronavirus.